0: From the University of Oregon, I'm Brayden Quishan. This is Flux. Imagine a scientist. Who are you picturing now? If that scientist is a man, there may be a reason for that. At the University of Oregon in 2016, the tenured male to female ratio in STEM fields was extremely off balance. In the CIS department, that ratio was 10 men to two women. In physics, 21 men to one woman. In math, 23 to zero. There were no tenured women. In 2018, the UO has since hired a tenured woman in math, and we'll talk to her about this a little later.
1: My name is Miranda Daviduck, and I was the photographer for this project with Flux, and then I also continued on
2: for my graduate terminal project. And my name is Aubrey Bulkley, and I wrote the story in the Flux magazine.
0: In this podcast, you'll hear my colleagues at Flux, Aubrey Bulkley and Miranda Daviduck, who spoke to female scientists and mathematicians who are working to teach and be role models for young girls make careers for themselves, and stand up to a world that has been, and still is, keeping them out of STEM. As one of the women who you'll hear later puts it, if you're going to rule out half the human race, you're gonna be making things more challenging for yourself.
3: Okay, I'm Emma DeSico, and I'm 10 years old. I think I'd want to look through telescopes and see new things that nobody's ever looked at before.
0: You just heard from Emma, who attended a girls science adventure workshop earlier this year. The workshops are hosted by the UO group Women in Graduate Sciences, which is a group of women fighting against gender imbalance in STEM fields. They do this through various outreach and professional development events, all while working on their own research and coursework. Miranda and Aubrey, you both went to the workshops. What were they like?
1: Each week was a different theme. The first week was forensics. There was a a mathematics theme. There was two geology ones. Culminating one was um, astronomy, and that was with astronaut Wendy Lawrence.
0: When talking to students, the two of you heard a lot of them saying that as they got older, their teachers started to include fewer women, right?
2: Definitely a common theme amongst many of them was their science teachers changed as they got older, and that representation definitely changed as they got older.
1: Middle school age is the age where girls start dropping out of science, and so that's really like the key age range to get them excited about science and then show them that they can do science.
0: Crystal Wersher is a sophomore math major at the UO, and she remembers when that shift started happening.
1: Like, even if you think about
4: just teachers in general, most elementary school teachers are female. And then once you get to high school, most teachers are male. And that was especially true in the sciences. I don't think I even had a female science teacher in high school.
0: At UO, the trend continues. The higher up where she goes, the fewer women she finds.
4: This is the first term I've taken a 400-level math class, and before now, most of my classes, I would say, have been pretty evenly divided between male and female. The math class that I'm in now is probably about a third female, so you can start to see like a little bit of a larger gap. So the higher up you go,
1: the less you see.
0: Miranda, did you hear about this in your reporting?
1: One step of the battle is to like get women and minorities in the pipeline, but then also another challenge is to retain them. So a few of the women in my interviews had mentioned the leaky pipe problem where women will start pursuing a STEM field and then they start dropping out before they reach the level of, say, a tenured professor or something like that.
0: And heads up, universities, this is something female students are looking for.
4: For example, I'm looking at math graduate schools. Usually one of the things they report is how many female PhD students they have. And for some schools, it's like one or three. And you're sort of like, okay, I don't know if I want to go there because I'm going to be like the only female.
0: Finding your place in college is important, but it's challenging when you're in such a small minority.
1: In the interviews that I've done across not just women in STEM, but the minorities in STEM as well, community and support has come up with everybody. Everybody needs a support system. It's tough to do anything alone.
0: Ellen Ayshin, the only female tenured math professor I talked about earlier, says that students within her department can feel isolated when they're underrepresented.
5: What I do hear from like undergrads and even grad students who are already in math is feeling like there's not really a sense of belonging and not enough support and not seeing enough people who are like them.
0: One way the math department at UO has sought to foster belonging is by partnering undergrads with mentors. Unfortunately, there's not enough female grad students to work with each female undergrad. When Michelle Lowe, an undergraduate, worked with a male grad student, they stuck to the work. But when she was paired up with a female mentor, she says the experience was more fulfilling.
6: With the female grad student, I was able to ask her a lot more questions. I met up with her just to not talk about math, (laughs) but about her experience in the grad program and sort of her struggles and obstacles that she had to go through. And it was just more relatable.
0: Through the relationship, She was even able to go to a conference in D.C. for women in math.
6: So that was really cool to just have her present me with opportunities to meet more women in math. So opened an opportunity for her,
2: but then also helped her achieve the opportunity as well.
6: That conference was like really eye-opening to see all these women of color pursuing math and being unafraid to go that route.
2: She previously wasn't considering pursuing a master's or a PhD level in math, but she has kind of reopened that door as a potential possibility, maybe down the road, whereas that door had previously been closed.
0: That's proof of how representation matters and how important it is to have female role models in the field. Aubrey, you said Women in Graduate Sciences offers mentorship programs like this too, right?
2: Recently, they have changed their mentor groups to being only female leaders. So there are men in the mentorship groups, but they have a female scientist leading the group. So that puts this representation out there of female scientists can be leaders too, and you can learn something from them.
1: It's really important to have that representation, not just for kids, but even for grad students. It's important to have another person that they can on some level relate to and say, they did it. So can I.
0: Kara Zapatelli, one of the three women who runs a similar group called Women in Physics, is passionate about standing up for younger women going through school.
3: Going through my first nine years of college, I never had a female mentor. And I think it would have been really helpful to have someone, to, you know, hush the voice in the back of your head that's constantly telling you that you can't do certain things. And so I try to just be that for them and be there for them and be like, Hey, like I was there too. Like I totally get what you're going through, but really it's not that bad. And you're going to get through it and you are smart and you can do this.
0: Kara brought up a feeling called imposter syndrome, where she feels like she doesn't belong.
3: Imposter syndrome is a huge thing. I know like women tend to suffer from that. And when you look around you and you only see a bunch of men, you can feel a little bit isolated in that sense.
0: Aubrey, you talked to a psychology professor at UO, Sarah Hodges, who researches empathy and how people view others.
2: Her and I talked a lot about imposter syndrome. She actually did research on women in STEM. She found that women, when they met struggles within their STEM fields, internalized that struggle. Even compared to other women, they thought that they were the only one that had the hard time.
0: Undergrads, grad students, and even Professor Ellen Aysen have dealt with imposter syndrome.
5: It seems like a really common feeling. When I felt that way as a student, I also felt like it was something wrong with me, like it was something personal to me as opposed to like a symptom of a phenomenon.
0: Krista Worsher, the undergrad from earlier, thinks about her impact on the greater perception of women in STEM. Unfortunately, she's afraid of fulfilling the stereotype that women can't be in science and math and hampers her opportunity to learn because of it.
4: When I'm in a room full of men and they're all getting this portion of math and I'm not then I don't want to be that woman who doesn't get math. I feel like if you're the only female, then you have this need that you need to prove that you're at least as smart as everybody else in the room. Especially if I'm like going to office hours and I'm with other people and somebody else is asking a question and I'm like trying to follow along. And if I don't understand something and all the other people in there are male and they're like, yeah, I understand that. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to ask for them to explain it again. I'll just ask somebody else that I know.
0: Krista's peer, Michelle, says the stereotype of women, even if it's wrong, and they know it's wrong, it affects them, and it holds them back.
6: We're all told to not believe stereotypes, but once it's that ingrained in society and in your head, it's going to be present in there to think that I'm not good enough. A lot of imposter syndrome is just like, do I deserve to be in this program? Do I deserve to be getting this A in this test? Do I just get lucky? Which I think is just like a sort of feedback loop for lack of confidence internally. Yeah, I think the lack of representation in our faculty and in the field itself makes me wonder if like, what if like women really aren't as good? And like that contributes to my own ability and my own thoughts about if I can make it in the field.
2: Both of these women are very aware of the stereotype that women are not good at math. And that affects how they engage with their classmates and their professors and how they function within this community.
0: The lack of women in STEM isn't just a problem for students. The practical benefits of having a wide range of ideas will have real-world effects on how research and technology progress.
1: A lot of experiments and research is inspired by problems that the researcher or scientist kind of sees around them. So if the scientific community is primarily like cisgendered white males, then those are the problems and things that are going to get solved. And so having more minds able to be in that conversation. It's beneficial to everybody.
0: Professor Aishin elaborates.
1: If
5: all you ever see is kind of like white or Chinese men in your in your role, like your reality is so that whenever you like do encounter a successful woman, it's either going to make some excuse for why they're there or you see them as exceptional. And if you're going to rule out like half of the human race, you're creating challenges for yourself. But yet that's still how a lot of people operate.
0: Professor Aishin making a great point here. There have been and still are, so many bright minds held out of research because of race and gender. And the classic archetype of white men in these fields is only slowly changing.
2: Not everyone has the same privilege as these men. Therefore, we need to look at trying to change the structure of things to bring in more women, but also bring in more minority groups outside of just gender.
0: Co-outreach coordinator for women in graduate sciences, Lisa Itell, sees a major role for men in supporting these women.
4: I think one of the biggest things when there are men in the room is to make sure that the men understand that they might have some degree of bias or maybe overstep and start to talk over the other female volunteers or whatever it might be. And that's just something to be aware of, but that's also a great teaching moment. I think for any movement, you can't do it with just one group of people. It has to be everybody.
0: Aubrey and Miranda, what do you two see as the role of men in this movement?
2: I think it's just men using their privilege to benefit others, to identify that there is an issue.
1: Approximately 40% of the women in graduate science group consists of men. So it's not just women having that representation, but men also understanding that there is implicit bias, that women do face challenges.
0: Professor Ayshin has gotten tenure But as she pursued her position, going from university to university, she's seen the flaws of schools around the country.
5: Everywhere women are underrepresented to varying degrees. They're more underrepresented here than pretty much any other research department in the country, except Harvard, which is less than half the size of this department. So we were about around 35 tenure line total. Yeah, right now I'm the only one. Yes, yes. So if I go to a meeting that's all tenure, only tenured faculty, I will be the only one. I, yeah, it's, it's just, it's just, it's yeah, quite insane.
0: <laughs> it's not only at UO, but for the students, such as Michelle, they have to deal with having few female mentors in their day-to-day.
6: Um, and seeing the faculty here, seeing who's tenure track, who's an instructor, who does research, who doesn't do research, Um, It's really, really obvious in this department, there's like a huge disparity on who, uh, gender-wise, gets to do research and who's tenure-track. And so that's a little discouraging just because the role models are not present for me.
2: In recent years, women have been making great strides in the STEM fields at the University of Oregon. But there is still a lot of work to be done if we are going to have gender equity, particularly here at the U of O.
0: Some of that work is making the environment feel accepting of female scientists and professors. For faculty and students alike, their colleagues sometimes make the space feel tense and unwelcoming. Again, Kara from Women in Physics.
3: It's hard to pinpoint specific experiences, but it's more of just a feeling that you kind of live with every day. I mean, there's obviously like microaggressions that happen all the time where you're like, wow, that was interesting.
0: While reporting on the story, we heard a lot of this.
3: My
5: very first quarter here, I was at a reception for new faculty, and there was a, a senior faculty member from the university. I mentioned what I was teaching, and they said, oh, yeah, for some reason, Oregon's undergrads just have a really hard time learning math from women math professors. And like, first of all, I don't, I don't think this, there's any merit to this sort of statement. Second of all, there's like almost no women math professors here, so he doesn't even have data points. It's just
1: somebody's bias.
0: But some of these women are worried about bringing up their struggle.
1: They're in such a small circle of people in their field. If they ruffle feathers, there's a good chance that that could really derail their research, their careers, their funding. I mean, any sort of opportunity. I mean, if I were in their shoes, I'd be reluctant to speak up, too.
0: Aubrey, you spoke with the women in physics. What did they have to say about this?
2: They were very tentative in talking to me. Even though what they were saying was what they actually experienced, they definitely were very cognizant of how that could be negative for them and their department.
0: It's great that these women have committed so much of their time to build support systems for each other and volunteer in the community. But do they ever view this work as a burden? I'm sure they're invested in furthering the cause, but it has to wear on them. They
2: definitely take on more of the responsibility to make that change. I did get a comment from one of them. Basically to the effect of sometimes people will question why we haven't gotten further on our research. And it's kinda like, well, it's because we're also putting in all these extra hours trying to make this department better.
5: Members of underrepresented groups often get asked to do more and part of it isn't just that people are like, Oh well, we don't want to let's throw it at the women, but sometimes it's also things like we want to recruit more women to the department or something, and it's natural to to ask women to be involved in that. And if there's not very many, like you
1: keep getting requests for this.
0: Miranda, when you talked to Lisa Itel, she said that when she does outreach, she always asks the girls to draw a scientist.
1: She asked them to draw a picture of a scientist. And without fail, they all drew like a white guy in a lab coat.
0: But after one of the WGS outreach events, Lisa saw something different happen.
1: And her daughter who's in third grade drew herself
4: As a scientist, making an eel light up a light bulb. And she's like, thank you for inspiring my daughter to think she could be a scientist. I was lucky to have really awesome mentors who cornered me and like, you can do this if you really wanted to. And so being that person, I think, is
2: important to me, too. Lisa directly mentioned this, that she does outreach and she wants to teach because that is the way to change the world. Maybe one day kids will draw a different kind of scientist.
0: Aubrey Bulkley is a producer of this podcast and reported on the story. Miranda David Duck photographed the story and contributed reporting for the podcast. Thank you both for sitting down with me.
2: Thank you, Brayden.
1: Thank you, Brayden.
0: You can read more about women in STEM and other great stories by picking up the 2018 edition of Flux Magazine or by going to FluxStories.com. Find more of our episodes on iTunes and SoundCloud. Please give us a rating, comment, and subscribe. It helps us make our show better. This podcast was produced by Vin Bowie and Aubrey Bulkley. Thanks again to Aubrey and Miranda Daviduck for the reporting and everyone else who offered up their time and voices. I'm your host, Braden Quishin. Thanks for listening.